Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. If you'll excuse the wordplay, today we're going to talk about socks, baby. I'm on with a company called Stance, and I can't wait to have you listen in to our interview. First off, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is a show which is all about how some of the most interesting and innovative companies in the world are getting more authentic by mobilizing their masses. Fans, followers, consumers, how are these brands capturing genuine experiences from real people and then funneling it back into their own communities? And we talked to some pretty interesting brands on this topic. And over the past year, we've developed a digest of those conversations. I encourage you to check those out once you're finished listening to this episode. But for the moment, we're going to talk about Stance. Now, these folks do some really interesting things, mostly in socks, but they're branching out to other categories of apparel. And if you've listened to our interview with Molly Hartney at Funko earlier this year, I draw a few parallels here between them and Stance. A lot of work being done in partnerships, and certainly that builds communities based around passions and niche interests. So surely lots of really invested consumers there. And of course, we touch on how Stance takes advantage of those interests to genuinely portray the experiences that its wearers have. Personally, I love a pair of fancy socks. I'm into slipper socks right now. Any guys with me? Yes? No? Whatever. For now, I'm going to sit back and let you listen to the interview and let Noel tell you all about how Stance is doing it today. So without further ado, from Stance, this is Noel Bates. All right, everybody. I am happy to be uh, sitting here um, virtually with Noelle Bates from Stance. Noelle, thanks so much for joining the show today. How are you? I'm good. Happy to be here. I am uh, interested in uh, hearing about your story to start out. Now, now, you have been with Stance for five and a half-ish years, right? Yeah, a little more than five years. Uh-huh. And what, uh, what, so what drew you in? What, what about stance? What, what stance did they have at the time that, that brought you in? Well, they had Jeff Curl, who's the founder and was the CEO up until just a few months ago. Um, Jeff and I go back pretty far in our careers and had worked together, um, in a couple of different capacities. And, um, primarily we were at a startup together um, about 15 years ago, a software startup that HP acquired. Um, and so when Jeff had initially told me he was gonna, he called it a men's hosiery brand, said that he was going to start a men's hosiery brand. And he was kind of joking around, um, that, you know, he had, had designs to get sort of the band back together and people that he loved working with. And, um, so, that is what really drew me in. It took about five years for me to actually uh, join, but um, I'm really glad that I did. And so I think that I, it's funny that, um, you know, somebody, oh, I'm just going to start up a hosiery company. But the funniest thing is, and I don't know what it is, but I, I, I certainly, and I don't know what he was targeting at the very beginning, but uh, I'm a huge fan of snazzy socks. That's just me. I, uh, I, yeah. I, and a, a statement <laughs> pair of socks is great. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, scrolling through anybody who, who jumps onto your, to your website, and by the way, folks, that's stance.com. You can do that right now as you listen to this. Um, there are so many, uh, you know, cool kinds of patterns and, di- and designs, but specifically also, it looks like a bunch of stuff that you must have been doing in, in partnership across sports and pop culture and that sort of thing. And um, 
I really love that kind of stuff. So personally, this is a very exciting conversation for me to have. Um, how do you, how do you, let's see, I want to jump into all that in a second. And it's sort of around the time when I start asking about community and how you work with, with certain entities and things like that. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. The first okay. thing that I want to do is, um, you know, why don't you talk me a little bit through like the mission statement of what Stance brings to the market and then tell me a little bit about the, uh, you know, what gets you excited right now about what's going on in the business. Okay. Well, our technically our mission statement is to celebrate human originality. And I think when a lot of people, um, or at least a lot of people that I talk to that love Stance, they'll say, oh, I love your brand. And um, it comes across as much more than socks. And now it is actually much more than socks, but um, at for a long time, it was only socks, but it seemed to um, stand for something much bigger than that, which was self-expression, um, kind of owning your identity, being proud of who you were, taking risks. And so that mission to celebrate human originality, you you will see that through all of the collaborations and the product and the punks and poets and the people we work with. Um, and it also kind of goes back to what you were saying before about what Jeff's motivation was for starting the company, but he really looked at, you know, there was an opportunity in a white space um, in socks and it was kind of the last unbranded part of a person's um, outfit, so to speak. And so um, he had been at Skull Candy through the rise of Skull Candy as its chairman of the board. And uh, he knew that there was going to be an opportunity in socks. And, you know, it sounded a little bit crazy at first. Um, how were people going to go from buying you know, what they usually buy relatively cheap in 10 packs to single pairs um, that were a lot more expensive than people were used to paying. Um, but he not only saw it from, there was a creative opportunity and there was actual design white space, but there was also product, um, tech, well, technological white space in the sense that socks could and should be so much better constructed than they had been at that commodity level. And so um, there was a mission too to bring about this design aesthetic and, and uh, self-expression through the socks, but also make a technically superior garment, which um, is why people end up really falling in love with the brand. I mean, they like the brand because of what they see and what you're saying, but then they wear the product and, and they're sold on it. Well, of course. I mean, if you can create a, a better product, I'm sure people will flock to it now. And it doesn't hurt that, uh, that they're just so flashy. You know, I look through all these and I, you know, it's in it's immediate to come across. I mean, the first thing you want to do is you see all these things like, for, for example, and for listeners right now, if I go on the homepage of Stance, the first thing that I see and the coolest thing I see is, is, is Buddy the Elf socks. All right. Now, that for anybody from about the age of six to about, I don't know, about 35 is probably just about the coolest thing you, <laughs> you can put on around the holidays. But it has me clicking in immediately to be like, gosh, uh, what, you know, what are other of my interests? And I can immediately find something. So um, it's definitely unique. It's definitely original. So that that is really cool. Um, I'm curious how that extends to to the values that, that you bring to, to the mission and to the marketing team in general. Now, you, you came to the helm of that team a little over two years ago, if I have my timing right. And I'm just sort of curious as to how that extends to the way that, that you guide the team and the brand forward. Well, those um, that mission statement and then along with our company values, which are really well instantiated here, um, we have five. And I know that people talk about, oh, our company values are this, 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 but 
you actually won't come to stance and see them um, written out anywhere on a wall, but they really are these guiding values that influence our decision-making um, as we move forward in the business. So their gratitude, performance, entrepreneurship, creativity, and personal responsibility. And if you came to Stance and you asked, you stopped an employee in the hall and said, what are your company values? 99 out of 100 times, the person would be like gratitude, performance, entrepreneurship, creativity. They're just very um, well just instantiated into everything that we do. And so those are really the, the values that drive um, the department and our team. And I try to look through the lens set of those values. There's a description that explains um, what we mean by gratitude or personal responsibility or entrepreneurship. And um, having a really good understanding of that and the team having a good understanding of that, it does make it easier to say, here's why we're gonna do this because they will see how it aligns to those values. And so generally speaking, those are kind of broader guidelines, but in my personal day-to-day, um, there are two other things I would say that I bring to the table, or I, tr- I try to bring to the table, which is uh, crucial conversations and radical candor. And those two um, things, knowing how to talk to people about um, tricky subjects or difficult subjects, and then the willingness to be very candid, um, but in a way that is sensitive and um, respects other people. Um, those are two things that uh, I try to do on a daily basis and um, speak my mind. And I think that it's helped me a lot in terms of um, moving forward in the business and and ending up in this position, um, but also just having great relationships with the people I work with. Yeah, I would. Well, that's always great to be sort of transparent and candid in that way. Radical candor. It's been a while since I've heard that phrase, but it's certainly important as a quality of leadership to have that. And it makes me wonder because I love so on the show, what I love is really getting real with people and getting inside their heads and, you know, figuring out what their stances are on on certain things. No no pun intended. But I want to know what let's talk about authenticity for a second. Okay. right. Because I everybody's got a different definition. I have my own definition of what it really is for a brand to be authentic. And if we're going to have some radical candor here, frankly, a lot of the time that I see uh, a brand that that tries too hard to do it or starts throwing some you know, highly paid commercials with real stories, I tend to think that it's BS. And yeah. I tend to not really believe it. So my, so for example, my, my uh, um, definition of authenticity for a brand is when they're able to properly mobilize their masses in an at-scale way to like let me know that regular people's stories are, are permeating more so than what a brand wants to tell me from the top down. So that's just my uh, definition. But there are a million out there. And I'm curious what your definition of authenticity might be for Stance and what the importance of that is to you. Okay, so... Um... The, yeah, it does, it does definitely relate to, to radical candor for sure, because, um, radical candor, candor is really about like no BS and exactly is obviously that very thing. Um, but I was in my car with my seventh grade daughter a couple of days ago, talking about the social hierarchy of middle school. And she was explaining to me where she thought she fell in that 
um, hierarchy and she's very academically oriented. She's a smart girl. And she was saying that the popular kids, which they call the wannabes, which is not a term we used growing up, but, um, to describe the popular kids, to the popular kids, the other kids call them the wannabes. Right. And she said, you know, in class, they want to copy off my homework and they always are trying to get me on her, on their project teams and ask for her help. And they're really nice to her in class. But then when she, um, it's so weird to her because when they go outside of class, they don't really acknowledge her or say hi to her, especially um, outside of school. And I started laughing because it's as much as things change, human nature really doesn't change that much. And I told her, you know, I know exactly what she was talking about. And we used to call those kids users. That was like the 80s. I grew up in Los Angeles in the 80s. So that was the term we used because they're people who just use other people to get what they want and then discard them when they've they've gotten what they want. Mm -hmm. And it is something that is something that has always graded me my whole life. And um, because it's fake and that is with brands. Um, you can see, you can, people are smarter than we give them credit for being, and people can see through that pretty quickly. Um, if you're a user or you're fake and you're not being authentic, um, you know, you're going to have problems. You can, you can fake it for a little while, but you can't fake it for very long. Right. And so one thing that I loved about Stamp was that, um, Pretty early on, at least when I joined the company, the way that we had it structured was we had category directors. And so we look at different subcultures. The, the brand was really born out of, you know, kind of the surf and skate um, world because we're in San Clemente. A lot of people here surf. There's a ton of skateboarders here. And so that was kind of the worlds that we that we played in. Um, but as the brand was expanding, because we never thought of us ourselves as an action sports brand, we were, you know, we looked beyond that, but we also knew that if you're going to interact and, um, market to, or connect with various subcultures, you need to be authentic in those subcultures. And so we had category directors who lived, breathed, and really were, you know, a kind of a living embodiment of that. Um, subculture for all the various um, categories that we that we went after. And so um, the great thing about having the category directors was they've they educated um, the rest of us on those subcultures and helped us learn um, not just, you know, as one of them would say, that's whack. Don't do that. You know, it's not, it wasn't just like the rules of that subculture, but really helping us to love those subcultures and to um, respect them. And so that I think really helped us come across in all of these different things. Like you were saying, we do so many different things um, really authentically because someone here who was a part of that subculture was sort of guiding not just the product, but the marketing and, and everything that we, even the retail stores that we would sell to. And so um, that really helped us just, it became part of our DNA is the respect and um, and genuine, you know, love of the, the subcultures that we, that we now, that you now see out in the market. Right. A genuine love for those, for those cultures and not just, as you said, towards the very beginning, 
of that response and thank you for giving it just yeah, a trade-off, a commercial yeah. trade-off of something. Right. Um, I, I want to push on the point one more, once more because I, I think that apparel can fall into that pretty easily if things being just a trade-off for uh, commercial gain. And of course, there are more purpose and values-driven brands. Um, even in the world of socks, we talked to Bombas earlier this year, and they certainly do that. And then there are some that are just on the other side. So I'm curious, I mean, where do you think, of course, you get to play on the other side of this because you just described how you do approach this authentically. I mean, where do you think apparel is maybe getting it wrong? I mean, like, why why do you think that they do that? And, and I guess as an extension of the question, I mean, what, what do you actively try to avoid as a result? I think that... Um... Well, I think there's a lot of things that apparel brands get right, but in terms of where I see brands going wrong is looking at the formula of sign a big name, um, someone who... You mean like an influencer, basically? Like a cultural, you know, a mega cultural influencer, pay them a lot of money, put them in a photo shoot, put them up all over your retail, and at the end of the day, like you might get some attention. You will probably need to make a huge media buy around that too. So you're going to spend a lot of money, but what does it actually say about your brand? If all you're doing is hiring someone to wear your clothes and put them in a photo shoot, it just, it doesn't go very far and it doesn't, it really doesn't change people's behavior that much. It might for one season, if there's some product that, that mega celebrity or influencer, um, puts on and actually, you know, puts their name on it, but it does, if it doesn't speak to who you are as that person, um, those influencers don't really speak to who you are as a brand and align back to those values. It just, it's not sustainable. So we have worked with some very big, um, influencers like I was going to ask about that. Yeah. If you could help to enlighten on the punks and poets, because stance as some of that, but I want to know how you approach it differently. I'm guessing this is where this is going. Yeah, there's there's that level of it. So I'm not saying that that's you know, a bad thing to do. A lot of brands do it and do it extremely well. I mean, Nike's kind of the you know pinnacle of that. Um, right. But the in terms of um, where we see the most influence or most authentic influence is down on at the customer level and the convert, the word of mouth conversations that they're having with their friends and family about stance. And, um, we, it's amazing to watch how much of that is going on and, and with social analytics and monitoring tools getting so much better, we're able to see those conversations sort of happening and unfolding all the time. And, um, I think that they're having the conversations that we, love that they're having. We're doing everything across the influencer spectrum from the customer level all the way up to the, you know, large, larger influencer level and in between to make sure that we have, that it's all authentic, that when we have a big influencer working with the brand, there is a relationship there. They do love sort of the, it isn't really usually about money and they love what we're doing. They love what the brand stands for. They love the the opportunity to be creative and get to do um, kind of what they want. Brianna actually, when she gave a media interview once and someone asked her why she was 
working with our brand and she said, you know, they're just fun to work with and I get to do, they let me do what I want. So there is some flexibility because we aren't this huge company that we can have fun with them um, as well. And then all the way across that spectrum of influencer. So it's actually, you know, it's touching, it's touching everyone at every point and, and knowing that everybody that touches your brand, that wears your brand is an influencer really. Yeah. I, that's awesome, by the way, um, because that speaks my language directly to, to be prioritizing things at a customer level is of course important. And yes, to find people who you can work with freely and who enjoy working with you freely, freely in the, in in the way of, of being flexible with what they want to do, no matter their size is really important. Can I then touch on the opposite side of the spectrum from the punks and poets? And that's very interesting. And, and folks, I keep saying punk, punks and poets because that's a, a section of the stance website you can look at where they, where they do profile partners and, um, and folks with, with massive followings. But you've just noted that, you know, to be truly authentic, you have to get to the customer level. So I'm curious in some of the ways that you're building community on the much more scaled up, but not as big a following, you know, probably per individual of your regular customers. I mean, how are you, how are you proactively bringing these people who have probably have all sorts of interests together under the stance umbrella and how are you encouraging them to share their experiences with their purchases and all that? Well, I would say that there's probably, uh, there's probably three ways that we do that. Um, first of all, I would say that it it's, this might sound a little um, elementary, but it's acknowledging Um, the way we know that people are having conversations about us is usually through social media. Um, It's really hard to track word of mouth outside of that. And so acknowledging them on social media and um, kind of giving them that feedback of, hey, thank you. We see that. We really appreciate that. Um, That's been something that's really been hard for us to keep up on. We get tagged in about 400 social media posts a day because uh, it's really pretty easy. And as you were talking about before, there's a lot of colorful and interesting product. And so people will at mention us in their stories. And um, for us, for for our team, for, the, for part of my responsibility is social media, but that team is really acknowledging and saying, hey, we see you, we appreciate that because we really do. I mean, that is the, the that's the meat of our business. Um, that's why we're where we're at. And so um, it comes through them seeing that acknowledgement and then, you know, reciprocating. And we do notice if we, when we um, like or comment or acknowledge someone's Instagram story or their post or their Facebook post or their tweet or whatnot, their um, activity around our brand goes significantly increased. And so it's very common to see us acknowledge something that some, a piece of content someone's put out and then see their activity on social related to our brand triple in terms of, um, posting a lot more about, you know, they, they love that feedback and people do love that feedback and they do love that acknowledgement. And so that builds just a a community maybe that doesn't necessarily connected to each other, but that is more connected to us because it's very human behind that screen. And then, you know, I, myself personally, I have conversations on DMs with customers all the time. So it isn't about like, doesn't matter, you know, if I'm the head of the department at that level, I learn so much about our business and our customer just through those basically text conversations with, with people who are out there wearing and repping the brand. And so 
um, there's that. And then the, I would say another thing that to build community and authentic uh, relationships with those customers is we have made a big um, push into retail, I would say, where we, over the course of, we opened our first store um, about four years ago um, in New York City. That was our very first store. And we only had about five or six stores for the first couple of years because we wanted to learn what worked, who were our customers that were coming in, what were they asking for. We were trained to get, basically, we wanted to see the data and what data would come back that would help us know what our store footprint and our store size and merchandising and customer guest experience should look like as we you know, scaled it up. And so we, t- we spent a number of years really getting that, I guess you could say, formula down. Um, but at the basis of that formula has been how people feel when a guest feels in that store. And I am so happy because I see so much feedback, not just through people I know or friends and family, but people on social media talking about, oh my gosh, this person at your store was so amazing and so helpful. People go to a retail store and a brand that they've loved through a screen, they love more because they had such a good guest experience. And so it's really using those stores as a place for people to get an even more human connection to our brand, um, doing events in those stores, customer um, appreciation nights. Um, there's, you know, I think there is a humility about people who work at Stance of being eager and hungry, not only to have those conversations with the customers and talk one-to-one with them, but also learn, um, you know, get their feedback and what they, you know, like, what they don't like, what we could be doing better. Um, and so the, the stores actually give us a really, really good opportunity to, to get to know the customers and build a, a community. And like, it's like a, you know, it's a physical hub for people who've been fans of the brand for a long time. And um, as part of that, everybody who works at headquarters, because we now have um, stores in Southern Cal, we have three stores in Southern, well, we have four now actually in Southern California, but one's a pop-up. But um, every quarter, the employees work, at least spend one shift in a retail store from headquarters. So you're out there in the front lines, you're seeing what questions are coming in. You're getting to make those connections. You're making friends with the you know people who shop with us. And that has been really helpful to our business just in terms of not forgetting you know, what really matters at the end of the day, which is people. Right, exactly. And that's that's interesting, the multiple dimensions on which you are, um, you know, connecting with, with consumers, whether it be online or offline. Now, you have 400 roughly posts you said on social a day. And I'm sure many, many more stories just being told or, or, or were generated from that just from ex- experiences, whether it's in the store or DMing, you know, with maybe you personally or whatever. Uh, what are some of the ways in which Stance is able to use that um, to be able to turn it around? We, you know, talking a little bit a while ago, this is maybe more to my definition of authenticity where I, I love to see when a brand does that, but to have it be like, you know, don't take it from, I mean, Stance, we think we're awesome, but like, you know, who really thinks we're awesome are these 400 people every day and look at their stories. What are some of the ways in which you're able to amplify that? Because I imagine that, somebody might be tempted to buy a pair of Bud of the Elf socks if they see a friend of theirs wearing Bud of the Elf socks as opposed to, you know, stance coming down from the top saying, buy Bud of the Elf socks, you know? 
Yeah, I that's a really good question. And that's been a hard thing to know how what to do, um, to be totally honest, that to turn other people's content around and use it in a way that's beneficial to us. Um, it's a, it's tricky, especially because there's, you know, there's a lot of ways to, I mean, we rerun people's posts on our social, you know, as a UGC, right. um, some of the stuff that we really love, but in terms of using it to get more attention or to attract people to the brand, um, a lot of brands will take posts that are out on social and integrate them into their website and whatnot. But our skew count so high and the seasonality of our business and the short sell windows, it's been very difficult for us to turn anything around where we could say, oh, this is a really cool way to look at the brand, which is through the lens of what's happening at the cat customer level. Because what happens is people come and they're like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. I like that. And then it's already sold out and gone. So that's been that's been actually really hard for us to do. Um, and I don't think that we've, we've mastered that yet, but, um, I do know that our, when we do repost, um, content that our followers have created, the engagement rate on that around that is extremely high compared to just our own content that we put out. Right. Yeah. I was just, so that's, that's good to, to dive into just as a question. I think this is a question, by the way. That everybody's thinking about and i mean everybody yeah. that i talk to yeah um, i and i think that that will be it's my personal take that in the future like that will be a lot more where people focus um because people will continue to be skeptical of things or they don't want to listen to they don't want to listen to the brand they want to listen to somebody nudging them on the shoulder saying hey that brand's cool um just for the way the human psychology works but i that's interesting to to um to think about and maybe Maybe in that forward-looking framework, it uh, it might make sense to ask you like what you're excited about for Stance over the next few years. Now, officially, uh, you know, as I mentioned before, and just to make sure I have my timing right, you you've been there for several years. You've been at the helm of the marketing group for about the last two. I mean, how do you envision Stance progressing as a brand over the next say two, or if you want to extend the timeline, fine. But uh, I'm curious because it seems that these partnerships are, are seemingly endless. Seems that uh, there's a whole bunch of things you could be doing there. But yeah. um, curious to get in your head a little bit. I mean, what do you most want to see Stance do? I would like to see us do more around what you were what we were talking about before, which is community building and bringing our customers together and to us in a in a physical way, in a you know in a more human to human way through the retail stores, through um, headquarters. One thing that the in the last year, we I don't know how much people know about our headquarters, but it's kind of, it's really amazing. We have an NBA court here. There's a chef that's here, Anthony's everybody's favorite employee. We get fed breakfast and lunch. It's very, it sounds very techy, but it's also this place where, you know, I've had, you know, NBA all-stars and celebrities say like, I don't want to leave. This place is so fun. Like it's just so positive and the vibe is so good here. This is so cool. You must love working here. And it's something that you feel when you're, when you're here. And I almost without exception, people walk out of headquarters, you know, just like that was awesome. And, um, it's really cause the people are awesome. It's not because of the court. It's not because of the chef. Those, those are nice that adds to it, but it really is just because it's, you know, a really cool place to be because people are genuine, very genuine and authentic here. And so, um, one 
we had an offsite exact offsite and um we had a speaker he was amazing come in and and talk to us about you know what our secret sauce is is really that feeling and exporting that to the customer in a way that uh will magnify the brand and that's i know that sounds very theoretical but we're what I'd like to see us do and what I hope we're able to do, and we definitely started, is to say over the last year, how can we export how it feels to be at Stance um, out so that people understand that? And um, the stores are have become a very good like replication of that. They do feel like an extension of our headquarters, both in look, feel, design, but also people. Um, but we've started talking a little bit more about, you know, how we, how the things and the way we do things at Stance and the culture of Stance is really why the socks are in our, in our underwear and t-shirts, why our product is so good. Why you love the brand is because there's this, all this good stuff happening behind the scenes, um, of genuinely happy, um, productive people. And so we've been putting out content around our kitchen, like we call it Stance Kitchen, and it's an Instagram TV series. And Chef Anthony like walks through different dishes he makes for the employees. It's like a mini cooking show. And the feedback on it has been insane. Like the emails, the DMs, the comments, the how many people will be like, that's my, you know, my favorite piece of content on social media is a cooking show by a sock brand. Um, and so, which is funny if you think about it, but it really is about like why you like this brand so much is because we love what we do. We love working here. And so, and we love it because of things like this. And so this community that we've built amongst ourselves, where we all sit together and, and eat lunch together and, and, you know, there's very humanizing to sit down and, and have a meal with people that you don't work with on every day. And, and I, you get to know people that you don't work with every day because you're sitting down at the same table with them and eating a bowl of chili or whatever. And so that um, we've been trying to export m- more of that and um, show that kind of things. Like we do these, you know, on social media, we do art tours and showing art around the building and Stance Kitchen. And we're starting to roll out more and more of that. Um, and it's not about, you know, oh, look how cool our office is. It's, you know, look at all the ingredients that turn out into this, that come out in this product. And it, it helps people identify like, ah, this is why I love this brand so much. So it's sort of connecting that and helping them understand what you know is going on here. And, and that's what I hope we do are able to do over the next year is I think we're, if we can maintain that culture here and export that and it through our retail stores, through those conversations, through the content we put out, um, I think we're in a really good position. Well, I, that sounds that sounds like there's a ton going on, and uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that you have that all on your mind. Um, you know, to be authentic from within, and then of course to grow authentically outward. From that mentality, I'm hoping to get some advice from you to close this out, uh, because you know, I'm sure that there are folks all over the place, well, especially folks that listen to this show, who would look to to build a team and a brand sort of with the tenets that you're describing. And so if you had any advice for somebody on how to become a more authentic marketer or how to build those better, more authentic relationships with, with customers or just with people, what would you tell them? Um, I would say if you're building a team, one, 
know where you're going, know what you're trying to do. It, it, you have to have an end goal in mind or, or a mission, I guess you could say a mission statement. It's a little cliche, but you know, you need to know who you are before you can know who to bring to you, if that makes sense. And so, um, if you know that, and then something I really have learned from Jeff is that going to work with good natured people every day is massive, um, in terms of just people's willingness and excitement level to go to work. We have on our front door of the office, it says TGIM and it stands for thank God it's Monday. And I can honestly tell you in five years, there has not been one day where I've dreaded going to work. Like, I love it here. I love everyone I work with. I know it sounds ridiculous, but we genuinely have these extremely happy employees. That doesn't mean that we don't work hard. It doesn't mean that it's not competitive. That is, um, you know, performance is one of our core values and you are expected to perform here, but there's this respect and love for each other. And I think that it's hiring people that you can have that with and that are, you know, good natured and that you want the same things as you. Um, this is not a political organization. Um, it just doesn't just does people who are politicians just don't work here. They just don't work out if they, you know, sneak in the door, they're exposed pretty quickly. Um, and so I, I would recommend, yeah, know who you are so you can know who to bring to you and, and work with people that you look forward to hanging out with every day. Cause you're going to hang out with them more than your family, probably more than your kids, more than your, your partner, your significant other. Um, and, and if you can get that right and they have a skill set and a, um, competence in whatever, you know, areas that you want, um, or that you need that the business needs, then you're probably going to be pretty successful. Yeah, I'm guessing you would be. And that's, that's great advice too, to, to start, to definitely start from within and look for those qualities there. And, uh, and to, yeah, exactly. To, to make sure that those who play the, the politics are unable to stick around for, for that long or that, that, that doesn't become we such a positive. We're going to bring in, there's been instances where you look, you know, and they have the resume and everything about them on paper is really good. Um, and then you, I don't know, it's, this isn't a, I'm not trying to knock anyone, but you just realize, you just recognize through that process of getting to know them that they, they won't be able to function here because they haven't done it like this, where you, it really is a culture about you give credit even if you've done something, find someone to give the credit to. And that's right. one of our, part of our core values is that, you know, like never take credit for something if it can be given to someone else. And that's hard for people. You know, a lot of people they're used to, well, how you get ahead is by, you know, racking, putting those notches up and um, really how it works here is the more magnanimous you are, the more, um, of a team player you are. That's, that, that's really the way that people succeed at stance. Well, that's, that's, I'm glad to know that that's how it's done. And I'm glad to know that they're led by somebody with those values, just like you. So I really appreciate that. And for, for, for everything on what you're doing to build community and, uh, Oh wait, last question before I do this, I was going to say thanks for coming on the show, but I got to ask now, what's your favorite pair that stands currently has out right now? Favorite pair of socks here. So do you mean design? 
or yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go design partnership. I mean, I mean, what, uh, like what, what have you been most excited to get your hands on recently? It's, yeah. it's so hard. Cause there's literally something like I swear every month or I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, I, this last weekend was complex con and uh we had a bunch of different activations going on but there's an artist that that we've worked with um named gregory sith and he's just a fantastic human being um we absolutely love him and uh he had an activation with it with for major league baseball and we did this really cool dodger sock that he designed and he did some live art at at complex con and i'm a dodgers fan like born and raised bleed blue. And so, um, that's, that's currently the Gregory Sif, um, Dodger sock is, is my current favorite. Um, but if you had to ask me, so it's funny you say that because this is one of the most common questions I get, but if you had to ask me what my favorite type of sock that we make it is like my go-to sock, if I could only have one stance sock, it'd be the run tab, which is the lower cut running sock. That sock is incredible just in terms of foot fatigue. I don't run, but I'm a mom. I got three kids. I'm, you know, here I'm pretty busy. And so I'm on my feet a lot. And I mean, even if I'm like at Disneyland, my, for whatever reason, those, those socks at the end of the day, my feet just don't hurt like they would have, if I don't wear them. So that's my favorite. That's my favorite type of sock that we make. Interesting. I'll have to check both out. I was, I have been doing quite a bit of I've been doing quite a bit of browsing through your site, if I'm honest. And the baseball socks were super cool. I'm from Baltimore, so I'm an Orioles fan myself, and those oh, are some pretty. Oh. There's some pretty snazzy footwear you got there, so yeah. you know. Oh, we um, we have a lot more things coming out this holiday that are pretty cool. So I I'm gonna. You better keep keep my eye on that. Coming back because there's gonna be some really cool stuff coming out here over the next couple of weeks. Great, looking forward to it. Well, for for everything that that you've that you've given us on the show today, it's been great to have you, Noel. Thanks for very much for joining the show. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much to Noelle Bates from Stance for joining the podcast today. It was great to have a conversation with you, and I can't wait to see what the next partnership line of apparel you have coming out soon is. If you like this show, and because it's the holidays, I got a wish list, and the wish list has two things on it. The first is to follow our LinkedIn page, Authentic Influence Podcast. It's where you'll get all of our content if you're not following us at podcastvavoom.co and if you're not subscribed to us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you might find a podcast. I encourage you to do that as well. And the second is, if you feel so inclined, to leave us a rating and review. These public shows of support are excellent ways to get me feedback as well as just to show the community, hey, you're a fan as well. I'll be back again in just a couple of days with another fantastic story about how a brand is mobilizing its masses to become more authentic each and every day. But for now, and for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time.